Hello and welcome to Around the Corner. I'm Matt Schlichting, joined as always by Brian Hemminger. Brian, how are you on this fine evening? I'm doing great. You get to shovel any snow today? I did. (laughs) I did have to uh, scrape off the old car this morning. I I, I had the option of putting it in the garage and I was like, it can't get that bad. And then I uh, went out this morning and my car, I think, had about three or four inches of snow over it completely. Like it was it was basically a car snowman. For reference, if anyone's listening uh, after this week, which would be alarming, given that it's a fairly (laughs) news heavy podcast, uh, it is Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. It was like 68 degrees yesterday in Columbus. And all the snow is gone now, but I woke up this morning and it was late January. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's Ohio for you. You know, it doesn't surprise you. The people were mowing their lawns to prepare for four inches of snow. Despite the weather, despite pandemics, despite all of the things conspiring to prevent us from enjoying minor league baseball of any kind this season, we have some news to report. Those of you who read The Athletic are certainly familiar with Zach Meisel. He had a little bit of information to report from the alternate site this week. Um, he had mentioned that the Indians called up Sam Henches, and we certainly have some more information about him now that we have seen him in an Indian's uniform in a relief appearance. Uh, also discussing some of the struggles of Jake Bowers, talking about what's going on in the outfield. There were also some things from Terry Pluto that he broke down as well. And Brian, I kind of just want to give you the floor here to say, I know you had a chance to look this over. How do you feel about sort of the beat writers takes of where things are right now for guys that are just around the corner? Um, Well, I liked what I saw out of Hedges the other night. Um, He hit, what, 97 miles an hour and struck out the side, gave up a solo home run. Um, You know, it was a game we were getting hooked killed in so it was a great opportunity for him to come in with no pressure and he looked good i mean that's that's exa- I, I mean the home run wasn't ideal but everything else was exactly up to expectations i mean we knew the guy was capable of throwing gas striking people out and still had a bit of spotty control issues and really the only control issue was that he threw uh one of his curveballs that he hung <laughs> and and it got t- tattooed but uh, other than that, I thought he was great. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed uh, what I saw out of uh, Hedges. Yes. And we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. Uh, it was Bobby Abreu who deposited his hung breaking ball very far into the bleachers. So if that's the guy that gets you, I guess that's OK. You'll probably if he goes on to have a long career, and I think he will, he'll be able to uh, tell the next young guy coming up. 10 years from now, like, hey, you know who got me? It was Abreu. He just won MVP, so shut up. <laughs> it happens to everybody, kid. Go get him. And uh, in terms of, you know, what we have available going on in the minor league system, um, you know, the AAA team, as you mentioned, is getting uh, appearances. Or they're getting to play right now against other uh, teams, AAA squads that are just kind of waiting. Uh, they're not official games or anything, but they're, they're getting action. They're staying fresh. 
I haven't seen anything out of there that's like blown me away pitching wise because I think most it's kind of like spring training style where guys are only pitching a couple an inning or two. So you're not getting like full starts or anything from anybody that may be, you know, trying to crack into the rotation. So you're kind of focusing on the position players. And so far, it seems like position wise, you know, Bobby Bradley's hitting a few home runs, which is good. Bradley Zimmer seems to be doing pretty good. You know, it's it's tough to trust Zimmer though because we've seen him so many times already, and he can't stay healthy. And but changing. Speaking things. of not being able to stay healthy, Tyler Naquin is healthy now. Did you know his batting average on balls in play is one ninety two, and he's doing what he's doing? Well, that seems like uh, because most of his balls that are not in play are leaving the park so they don't count yeah i'm just saying yeah i, I feel if zimmer's like, healthy yeah. he deserves an extended look i still don't i'm not i'm not 100 percent buying in to the the tyler naquin hype over oh, in cincinnati i, I feel I'm like sold. part of it is a new league that hasn't learned to pitch to him yet because we kind of saw what happened those first couple at bats like bieber just we just hammered him that whole series with fastballs up in the zone that he couldn't hit. And then the one time that Bieber threw one, a fastball down, he hit a home run. And that was pretty much his only contribution of the whole series. So, the yeah, the league will figure him out some more. What I wonder is, though, is I think he's a good enough all-around hitter now that he can work around it and still be effective. And that's terrifying. Because when you miss against Naquin, it goes 430 feet every time. <laughs> the The... the this boost in power has surprised me because yeah. he he's hit more home run. He hit more home runs in his first week in Cincinnati than he hit all of last season. He's just, I I hate to talk so much about a former prospect, but he's been fun to watch. I've always liked him as a player. He seems like a general cool dude. My dad was in an Indians game. I don't remember what year it was, but it was shortly after he had come back from injury. It was like his first game back. We had seats down the right field line, and I wasn't at this one, but my dad said uh, Naquin, either when he first came out or after he made his first play or something, coming back in, my dad just shouted, like, good to have you back, Tyler. And I guess Tyler, like, turned and gave him a thumbs up running back into the dugout. So is that a ludicrous reason to like a baseball player a lot? Maybe, but this is the kind <laughs> of stuff that sticks with you. So I'm glad he's hitting well. I hope Zimmer can do the same kind of thing, or maybe Owen Miller or someone else is just going to shock us all and become a god. Mm -hmm. Well, we do need a little bit of help right now. You know, the offense is struggling, and you got to look at where there are current issues, and right now the biggest issue is first base. I feel like Yu Cheng's doing, like, okay, not great, but, I mean, we need something when if they don't trust Yu Chang to face right-handed pitching, it's it's time to do something about that left-handed first base. Whether it's move Naylor there on against lefties if they trust Naylor to face left uh, or uh, against righties, uh, if they trust Naylor to play there, and then call up an outfielder or call up Bobby Bradley. I mean, you got two options right now. But I'm I'm as much as I hate to you know give up on a prospect. You know, I don't I don't feel that same sense of attachment to Jake Bowers because we didn't draft him or anything. Uh, he actually came over by trading away one of my favorite players that we've ever had in the minor leagues. 
um, in Yandi, who I was on all aboard the hype train ever since he arrived from Cuba. I've never heard of this man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I literally wrote a song about him, but it was, it was a parody of uh, the, I was rhyming it with Andy instead of y- Yandi, but I was doing the, the, y- it was called the, the, the Yandi man can. Well, of course. And he, and I believe he still can. Yeah. I, I wish I remembered what the lyrics were. I'd, I'd literally sing it if I could remember it, but I'd have to, yeah. No, it was good too. At least the first verse was. One thing I want to consider here is expectations versus reality. What we saw in spring and what we thought of some of these guys and then what we're seeing now. So Jake Bowers, I'm not surprised. Yeah, this is I what mean, I he expected. was, yeah, <laughs> he did not hit particularly well in the spring. The, the one thing he did do good was he at least earned some walks and he's not even doing that, which is, I think the most frustrating part was I'm like, okay, if he's not going to hit, then get on base. And he's, he's really not doing that either. So that, that's my main sticking point with him is like, he, he at least could work a count, you know, you know, get one step closer to getting that pitcher out of the game. And he's coming in and swinging at the first pitch and grounding it into the dirt or popping up. And I'm just like, okay, if you're going to do that, then we just don't need you at this point. So, Or if he doesn't swing at the first pitch, I swear to God, it's belt high and just like... Right down the middle. 89 yeah. miles an hour fastball. The pitcher throws it and he already ducks because he knows it's gone. And then he just, Bowers watches it. The, the worst part was looking at that article that I posted uh, today and seeing that Yandi has had a plus 400 on-base percentage the last two seasons at the major league level. Speaking of other expectations versus realities, <laughs> before my head explodes, uh, Josh Naylor, we had the ALDS. God, that feels like a century ago. Um, and he seemed competent in spring. He's I've, I've been very disappointed in him. I'm he's not, he's not I'm hitting just... for as much power as I would have liked. I still like his peripherals. I mean, he... He has pretty good at-bats. He doesn't strike out a lot for a guy that hits the ball as hard as he does. I, I feel like he's been a little unlucky in terms of what's been happening when he does make hard contact. Honestly, the biggest thing that disappointed me so far with Naylor has not been the offense. It's been the the defense. I, you know, I, I, I'm not a big fan of him out in right field, although you know I'll give him some time to learn it. Not a fan of you know the the one that went under his glove the other day that cost that. And I was definitely not a fan of him uh, ignoring the third base coach and thinking he knew better and getting gunned down in an embarrassing fashion. I just want with a the bases t-shirt. loaded. I want uh, a t-shirt that's just the silhouette of Sarba pointing at third, but then Naylor's already <laughs> passed him. And yeah, I don't know what the caption so. is, but it might just say Cleveland. I, I feel like part of it is he's trying a little too hard now that he's getting he's a regular pressing, opportunity. Yeah. yeah. So I, I'm not going to hold it against him, but I would at least like him to not make those mental type mistakes. I can I can understand, you know, getting unlucky on some things, but just just try to cut that cut those down a little bit. So I'll segue to Yu Chang with this comparison versus Naylor. Then I have a lot of empathy for Yu Chang accidentally plunking a guy while trying to turn a double play at a new position. It would have ended the game, right? Yeah, yeah, no, and he had literally turned that play earlier in the game you know we had bases loaded nobody out and i think quantrill struck the next guy out and then grounded grounder to chang and he turned a yeah a three five or three six one double play 
So he had literally done the exact same thing earlier in the game. And 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 also, if you look, uh, I think Grandall, you know, he kind of did a veteran move. Uh, he was pretty far right of the second or of the the baseline running to second yeah he was not taking a straight line to second base and so he was kind of in the way on purpose uh to avoid that type of thing chang just didn't recognize it because he you know yeah so this is a lot there a minute and a half of us basically cutting chang slack where is Naylor? no i am i'm i'm giving him a lot more slack because i mean that's like the one mistake he's made Uh uh-huh and it was it out of position type of thing and he had made some great plays earlier. So he's actually been hitting okay. And, and I mean, how can you turn down uh, him smiling every at bat, the whole at bat? I mean, I love that. It's, it's great. I, I'd like to see a little more from the bat based on what we saw in spring training, but yeah, I mean, he, he hit more home. He hit a decent amount of home runs in spring. I don't think he has any yet this year, but I mean, he is getting some hits. He's, it's more singles and walks. And a couple doubles, but yeah, he he's not really hitting for power, which you definitely want out of first base, but that's also not his natural position. So I'm not going to expect him to put up, you know, you know, 30, 40 home runs and a hundred RBIs there either. But yeah, I, I I'm with you. I, I would like to see him hit for a little bit more pop, you know, make uh, the opposing pitchers fear him a little bit more, but he also is still really, I mean, he literally just lost his rookie status last season at the end of the season. I definitely feel like with Chang, there's forgiveness, but with Naylor, like there's a big difference between failing to turn a crucial double play and just blowing a pretty clear stop sign in a situation where nobody should go, let alone Josh Naylor. Yeah, I mean, maybe if he was Billy Hamilton, maybe. I'd, I'd say, but I think even Billy Hamilton would have got thrown. Out of yeah, well, spot. and also if Billy Hamilton blows through your stop sign, you're like, cool, I get it. Yeah, I mean, he, that that that's <laughs> a confidence thing. So, I mean, he's trying. He's just, he needs to let back a little bit on the gas, maybe. (laughs) So any of the other young guys either? Uh, I wouldn't mind mentioning, you know, Logan Allen had two pretty good starts. And then that last one, I'm not exactly sure what happened. I mean, he had two perfect innings to start the game. And then he just couldn't get it out in the third inning and he was out of there. I hope that that's not, you know, the inconsistency of things to come. I'm hoping that he can, you know, kind of figure it out because he was so good in the spring and he, the first two starts were, you know, I would say above average. Um, I, I, I want to see him, you know, go six innings. And, yes. And I would like to see the strikeout rate, you know, pick up a little bit because I know he's capable of it. He's got, you know, a killer change up and a good slider. As long as he can locate, I think the strikeouts are going to come. I mean, look at who he's working with. You know, our staff, like our coaches have been able to f- figure out, like turn guys that people did not expect to be strikeout studs into just strikeout monsters. So I feel like it's, I'm hoping that that was more a blip instead of a sign of things to come. Cause you know, right now, as good as our pitching is capable of being, it's been up and down. I mean, Playsex struggling a little bit. It's it's pretty much been Bieber and Savali being the only two really consistent, reliable options at the moment. And y'all are welcome for uh, Brian calling them out, what, three years ago? Uh, it was more Bieber for sure, just because his numbers were ridiculous. But Well, we, we gave Savali some 
we gave him a call out because mm-hmm. he reminded us, frankly, of Bieber in some ways. Uh, but getting back to Logan Allen, I was thinking he feels a lot like um, Bauer and Salazar were. Uh, Bauer, this is less true now, but remember the first few seasons with them, they'd kill it, they'd kill it, they'd kill it, and then somebody gets on base, and you can tell they're frustrated at themselves because they didn't execute a pitch, or somebody made an error, or it just got down, and it was almost an out, and then they would just implode. You blink, and like six runs are on the board, and you're not even sure what happened because this dude had like eight K's through three and a half up to that point. I wonder if Logan Allen has a similar bug that needs to be um, eradicated from his system. And I trust the staff and the coaching coordinators, the pitching gurus. The Why can't I think of the word for this? I would say maybe it could be like an error that bugs him. Cause I don't think base runners bug him. Cause I mean, I watched, I was there uh, at his season debut in Cleveland and, first inning he got the bases loaded and got out of it well and he does a slide step to begin with too right so i mean i don't think that affects him but errors definitely could because i think that there was an error that inning when he imploded his last start and then uh when i was at the other start he uh ahmad rosario committed something that absolutely should have been an error like it grounder right to him and it bounced off his glove and yes they were safe with two outs and then whit merrifield next pitch our next batter hit a home run. So I don't care what the official scorer says. Mm-hmm. It was E6. it was an E6 in my mind. I can't wait to go to some games this year, keep score, turn around and shake my fist at the official scorer when he cuts somebody some slack. Uh, you, I, I really don't score games anymore, but my mom does. Like I literally I went to go visit her the other day and she literally had a whole stack of like every game that they've played so far this season. Like She just I sits by the it. radio and scores the game to Tommy Ham- Tom Hamilton. Unfortunately, you know, she she got to show me them getting no hit on that on her score thing. And I was just like, oh, that's kind of fun, though. She got to yeah. show you the, the scorecard. Yeah. Um, a quick little aside. People in my family have always kept score. I can remember going to spring training with uh, my parents and my grandparents. And my mom and my grandma would sit there with the scorecards, just pencils in hand, tracking things. And we still have some of them down in the basement at my parents' house somewhere. I. It's just cool. It's a great way to connect to the game and you can go back and I think I might have some from when I was a kid and my mom would keep score for games too. So those would be depressing to look at. I'd hate to remember how bad I was, but yeah, I was, uh, she was, she was my scorekeeper for, uh, every little league game I ever played. I, I will definitely admit, uh, she may have had some bias in, uh, giving me hits when they probably should have been errors cause I wasn't a big power hitter but I know I batted over 600 one year and I guarantee that had a lot to do with uh, a lot of grounders that got by a shortstop that probably should have been uh, an error. <laughs> yeah. But Connor has, has no range. So that's yeah. not an error. <laughs> <laughs> um, I forget where we started with this. I just had, uh, so we much were, I think we were talking about, about defense. So. Defense. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Rosario's error. In terms of uh, other young prospects and how they've looked, you know, technically, Emmanuel uh, Classe is a rookie still. He looks great. Is he awesome or what? Uh, 101 miles an hour, five, I think five for five and save opportunity. Or no, no, he 
they technically counted that one as a blown save with what happened with uh, Naylor, but that wasn't that wasn't his fault. I mean, that should have been three ground outs to first base to end the game with nobody even getting on base. So with how well I mean, Karen Shack's pitching well, but it yep, always seems I, like an yeah, adventure. I think that that is one of the best eighth, ninth inning combos in baseball. It is really already. And then and then you've got you know Whitgren, who I think has been, you know, Mr. Reliable for like two plus seasons before that, uh, that can come in in the seventh and, and somehow the ghost of Brian Shaw has been really good. I know. So our bullpen's awesome. I love our bullpen. I've been saying it for a couple months, man. I think it's the best in baseball. Um, and now you got, you know, Hentius up here. Um, I'm a little concerned about Trevor Steven. I mean, he's our rule five guy. So, I mean, we can, whatever. uh, So I'm hopefully we can keep him stashed because he does have, you know, electric stuff, 98 with a, a good curve, but it does seem like every time he comes in, he gives up a run or two. He's not coming in in like, you know, these crucial moments. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that he can have some better performances, but I guess I mean, it's an opportunity cost question. Is it worth giving him the time to try to figure it out versus one of our other guys in the pen who could use who you Although, could use at a higher leverage situation, like a, a Kyle Nelson or a ghost or, or a Sandlin. I mean, because we've got guys that could come up right now and help in higher leverage situations. But, you know, we also have guys that I think are capable of it that aren't getting those same opportunities, like, uh, you know, Matone. And Cal Quantrill. Cal Quantrill. How much leash do you think he has from here? Because I have been not happy with him to the point where I see him coming in the game now and I go, okay, it's over (laughs) already. Like Uh, I I know that's unfair to him, but that, that I feel like that sentiment's already starting to, to stick to him, unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, every bullpen needs a guy that can come in and give you, you know, three plus innings if you know, you need it. And he's that guy right now. I mean, the basically somebody that's capable of starting that is out of the pen. What's funny is if he was in the rotation, he'd have our highest velocity of any starter. Because I think Bieber's at, you know, 93, 94. Savali's about 92. Logan Allen's about 93. McKenzie's about 93. So, and Playsec for some reason's only been about 92 lately. So. This is this is disrespectful to Zach McAllister, honestly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> velocity exactly... isn't everything, and McAllister and uh, Cody Anderson were our uh, testaments to that. Well, I just I'm just thinking in terms of a guy who can go a couple of innings in the pen, but can also start here and there. Like mm-hmm. we knew what McAllister was, and it was always that guy. And like I'm not even sure Cal can do that. Like I, I feel like he can. But he has the stuff, but something he seems like he could honestly use some time in triple A to focus on being a starter and then come up next year and try to crack it with the club again, because it doesn't seem like it's working out in the bullpen. I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to that if we had a, another option of somebody that could eat innings if we need them to. Uh, I'm just not sure who that would be at the moment. I mean, there are some guys in our 40 man. I don't know if they're stretched out at the moment. So, I mean, I, I feel like we're going to be sticking with him for now. And the numbers haven't been bad. I mean, 3.38 ERA in eight innings. I mean, the, the the main issue is that he has, you know, five walks and only four strikeouts. So, but he's a, he's a ground ball pitcher, which is uh, increasingly becoming a little bit more rare these days. 
But if you so, look at the peripherals, mm-hmm. his expected ERA is above six. His FIPS and his XFIP are both above five and a half. It, there's so many other better options right there, I guess, is my point with him. And if we're trying to think of him as, and unfortunately we must, as a small market team, a long-term asset, doesn't it make more sense if he's not providing value now as a reliever to give him a chance to become the most valuable thing in baseball, which is a starting pitcher with years of team control? I mean, he literally just turned 26. So, I mean, there's still definitely plenty of time to, to develop that. Clevenger showed that. Mm-hmm. Kluber showed that. Yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be opposed to that. It's just I guess it just becomes uh, who who would you call up to be the innings eater, I guess. Yeah, and I'm being too hard on him. I just remember the guy he was in 2019, and I think that's who he is. So this sucks. <laughs> yeah, because like right now on the 40 man, if you're looking at, uh, you know, guys that could eat innings out of the bullpen. I mean, Henkes, you know, could be an option, actually, if you want to keep him up here because he was a starter. I mean, if he manages to not give up a home run every time, which I don't think he will, especially after um, that humbling moment with Abreu, uh, give him a shot if he's game. And I can't imagine he would turn down the opportunity to start making uh, the major league salary rather than the one you make when you're in AAA. So I think it sounds like we're running naturally to the end of the tracks here on this week's edition of Around the Corner, unless there's anything else that you feel we should touch upon. No, not really. Uh, The only thing I will mention is just as a shout out to uh, Covering the Corner. If you didn't read it, go check out my uh, Where Are They Now? It took a long time to put together because it's a long article, but I basically went over every trade Cleveland made where we gave up a prospect for something else to fill a gap in the roster or whatever. And how those prospects have panned out. And I, we talked about it a little bit uh, in the, the last podcast. So that's uh, so it's not like I want to just talk about the whole article, but just stay, check it out if you haven't already. I think you'll like it. it. seems like it's had a pretty good reception so far. If you're not a fan of masterpieces <laughs> that are easy to consume in digital form, it might not be your thing, though. Yeah. Fair warning. <laughs> uh, thank you. Not a problem. Um, so that's all I have. I think it's now time to read a handpicked selection from our favorite poet, certainly here at the yes, podcast, E.E. Uh, e. Gammings. You can find him at E.E. E. Gammings on Twitter. So. <clears throat> Rolling on the floor laughing. I like you. Indeed. Did anyone ever make known you look like Alex Lang? <laughs>